And I was reading Psalm 97, and I shared this with the people who came to prayer, so you get to hear it again. Um, so Psalm 97, verse 5 says this. It says, it says, the mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. So the psalmist says that the, melt, or that the mountains melt like wax before the Lord. And I just think of that picture of mountains melting, and it just kind of stirs my spirit. I feel like everyone needs to have a moment with God where they melt before him, and they just say, God, take it all. Take everything. God, humble me. Take my pride. Take my bitterness. Take my sin. Take it all, Lord. And you just melt before the Lord. I think we all need to have that, just that encounter with God. So I pray tonight that if you've never melted before the Lord, if your heart has never melted before God, I pray that your heart would melt before him tonight. Because I think so many times we try to harden our hearts, we try to protect ourselves from things, we try to block off God, but tonight he wants to melt your heart. So that's what I wanna pray as we prepare for the word. Jesus, I pray that tonight that you would melt our hearts, Lord. I pray that just as in Psalm 97, where you talk about the mountains melting before your presence, I pray that our hearts would melt tonight. God, I pray if there's bitterness, if there's just busyness, Lord, and we're blocking you out. God, I pray if there's any hatred in our hearts, if we're just wanting to serve other gods other than you. Lord, I pray that you'd melt all those things tonight, and you'd melt our hearts, God, and you'd draw us to you, and we'd be able to say, God, have it all. Take it all. Take everything. Lord, that's my prayer tonight. So God, we love you. We thank you so much for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys can take a seat quick. Well, not quick. It's going to be like 45 minutes, so get comfy. We could get those lights up there. Look at that. Elizabeth knows her. Tearing it up back there. Oh, she almost did it. Boom. Up. Oh, there you go. Look at that. That's incredible. Let's give her a clap. Elizabeth, that was great. That was awesome. Okay, so tonight is a really cool night. So a couple things. One, uh, this is our fifth part of our sermon series called Who We Are. So the whole heart behind this series, or you've heard me say this, uh, well, this is the fifth time now, is that, or is that just to take a step back and say, God, who do you call us to be as ministry? So we took four weeks before this week and just talked about different things that God calls us to be as ministry, different values to cherish. So we talked about being a follower of Jesus before, or before anything else. Like that's, like that's our main thing. Above anything else, we want to be followers of Jesus. We talked about as a ministry, we want to put the word of God, put Jesus's authority above any other authority in our life. That was the first week. The second week, we talked about how God calls us to be in this together. So God calls us to have a community of people where, or where we can look at each other and say, hey, I fully know you, like I know all the junk in your life, but at the same time, I truly love you. That's what God calls us to as a community. And then the third week, uh, we talked about how God calls us to be a people on mission. So we're on a mission to reach our campus for Christ. You know, Chi Alpha is not a sorority or a fraternity. It actually means Christ ambassadors. An ambassador is just someone who goes and represents someone else. So we represent Jesus on our campus. That was the third week. Keep tracking with me. The fourth week is we are expectant. So we expect that God is going to move every week. Like, that's why we're or just have a group that's high in energy. We believe that God wants to move each and every Tuesday night, that God wants to move in our small groups, that God wants to move in our classrooms. We are a people who believe that God still moves today. And there's been incredible miracles that have happened just this past week in small groups and things like that, uh, just miracles of healing and, and just God moving because we believe that God moves today and we ask him to show up. Okay, and the fifth thing, and this is, 
This is this week, okay? We are servants. So that's the fifth and final thing that we're going to talk about in this sermon series is having a servant's heart, if you've heard that before. So putting others before yourselves. And, and tonight I wanted to ask uh, my pastor, Pastor Jonathan, to come and share with us. So just a little background on Pastor Jonathan. Uh, six years ago, I think it was actually like around October, six years ago, Jonathan started a small group on campus of students and, and was just believing that, that God wanted to do something at UNI, and that group was called Chi Alpha, was the, or, or Jonathan was starting Chi Alpha on our campus, and, and then his second year here, I came in as a freshman, played drums on the worship team, and then kind of was raised up for ministry through Chi Alpha, and then just last year, I came back from Bible college and started leading Chi Alpha, and then Jonathan transitioned up to Waverly to pastor Cross Point Church, and yeah, Cross Point, let's go. So many of you go there, that's where I attend, it's an incredible church, and so tonight, Pastor Jonathan is just going to share with us about being a servant. And I'm telling you, if anyone has authority in this uh, subject area, it's him, way more than me. So it's like, you've got to talk about being a servant, because I stink at it. So Jonathan, please come up tonight and share about being a servant. Thank you. No, he said, uh, he said I got all the exciting topics. Now, why don't you preach on the topic that's going to call us to action and make us uncomfortable? Why don't you take that topic? So uh, that's what's going to happen tonight. We're going to look at the Word of God and look at this idea of servanthood. And at the end of this message, we're going to be called to action. So I hope you've come ready. I hope you've come expecting God to speak to you through His Word uh, tonight. I love what God is doing on this campus and uh, I'll tell you that eight years ago when I had a conversation with a young lady by the name of Becky Allen that some of you would know and some of you uh, wouldn't have any clue who she is, uh, never in my wildest dreams would I have dreamed that this is what would be birthed out of uh, a young lady's passion for this college and university campus. And uh, it's exciting to, uh, to see what's, what God is doing across our state and what he's doing right here. And here's what I want to say about this Chi Alpha, because I don't know that you all grasp how great this campus ministry is and how incredibly blessed that you are to have the campus pastors that you have and Pastor Daniel and Emily Quimby. Let's give it up for them tonight. This is the largest Chi Alpha in our state that you're part of. Like that's what's happened as a result of their leadership. So they've done an incredible job. People across the nation literally are talking about what God is doing at the University of Northern Iowa through you as students and through your campus pastors. So uh, here's, here's just an announcement. Pastor Daniel has no idea that I'm telling you this, and I don't care. Uh, he might make me sit down right now and come up and preach his own message, and, and that'll be just fine. The month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And so, uh, Pastor Daniel and Emily are your campus pastors here. And so, here's what I would love for you to do, is before this month ends, that you would send them a personal message on whatever uh, social media platform, he's on all of them. So, whatever one you want to reach him at, uh, you can absolutely do it, or write him a hand note to just say, thank you so much for your investment in my life. This is uh, how you've impacted me. And if you want to give him a card, maybe with a gift card in it, you know, to uh, Starbucks or to uh, Amazon.com. He loves reading. He's an incredible uh, leader because he reads all the time. And, uh, and so buy him an Amazon gift card. Bless him. So all of the 
students in here who say, I love my campus pastor and I want to demonstrate in a tangible way before this month is over that I love him and I'm going to give them a gift. Shout, woohoo! I love it. I did that at the University of Iowa last week and three people said woohoo. <laughs> it's not a joke. So, uh, but you got to give them grace. It was midterms and they had chemistry exams and all of that stuff. And so, uh, anyway, I will tell you that your pastor's integrity as a student and now as, uh, as a pastor is absolutely incredible. And uh, Daniel shared a little bit of his story and his history here with Chi Alpha, but. Uh, I will tell you that he found a need and he filled it. And uh, he served in the background of obscurity in his freshman year. He didn't have a title. He didn't have a position. No one was uh, uh, singing his fame. Uh, he was a freshman. How many of you are freshmen? Okay. Like some of you, you're learning your way in here and you're wondering, uh, does God have a plan for my life? Am I important? Am I going to make a difference on this campus? Am I going to make a difference in this world? I'm going to tell you this. Philippians chapter 1, verse number 3 or 4 in the Message Bible reads like this. It says, I'm confident that God, it's clear that God loves you very much and that he has a plan for your life. So freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors, I'm confident that God loves you very much and that he has a plan for your life. So watch this. In obscurity, Pastor Daniel played the drums. He was not a pastor then, uh, but he played the drums his freshman year. And behind the scenes, he did things that no one else saw. And you know what he did? He did them with excellence. And as a result, at the end of his freshman year, the student body said, you know what? That's the guy that we want leading our campus ministry. And he was elected as the president of Chi Alpha at UNI. So as a student, uh, he was doing this in obscurity. And God began to promote him. And uh, continually, he served with integrity. Uh, he's done things behind the scenes in regards to serving and done things, obviously, in front of you. And, and God has brought tremendous favor upon his life. And uh, Pastor Daniel and Emily, I love you guys. You're incredible. So let's one more time, give it up for them tonight. <laughs> Servanthood is a value of Chi Alpha, and it would be ignorant for me to come in and try and portray to you some of my own vocabulary about servanthood without bringing in and including your, uh, your campus pastor's vision for servanthood on this campus. So I stole this directly from your Chi Alpha UNI website. So all of you have access to it. It's up on the screen. We are servants. We believe that Jesus calls us to serve others. We know that no one is above this call. In fact, serving others is the pathway to true joy in life. We want to be a group of people who overflow with humility and lay down our lives for others. Let's let it soak in one more time. We believe that Jesus calls us to serve others. You don't have to answer out loud, but is that true of you tonight? Are you serving others? Secondly, we know that no one is above this call. Have you come in as a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, fifth year, sixth year, seventh year, senior? I don't know what your story is tonight. Charlie's raising his hand. <laughs> have you gotten to the place in your life where you feel like you're above serving? Is that statement true for you? In fact, serving others is the pathway to true joy in life. Is that true for you? As you serve others, has it brought you joy in life? We want to be a group of people who overflow with humility and lay down our lives for the lives of others. 
Servanthood is a value of Chi Alpha at UNI. It's a value that your campus pastor is communicating and also modeling to you. And so let me ask you a question. If you were to ask him or Emily to be a job reference for you, and that organization valued servant leadership, which even outside the church, organizations and companies value servant leadership, if you asked him to be a reference and that person was to ask Pastor Daniel how you scored in the area of servant leadership, where would you fall? <laughs> a few months ago when he asked me to preach on this idea of servanthood, I was, I was super excited about it. And I'm far from perfect in this area, but I'm passionate about it and I try to live it out. And tonight, maybe there are some of you who say, uh, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I have no idea what servanthood has to do for me. Can I just tell you that there's something in this message for you? If you've come here and you're not a follower of Jesus, you can still learn from uh, the behaviors of Jesus as a servant leader. And I promise you that if you can learn this skill in your life, it will help you to be successful wherever you go and no matter what you do. Secondly, there are some of you who've come in and you passionately love Jesus and you believe his word. And I'm going to tell you that this message is going to help you serve Jesus even better. And finally, if neither one of those hit home and you're still not ready to listen to the message tonight, as I begin to talk to my wife about what I was going to be preaching tonight, I have an incredible wife and we have two children. Our son will be 13 at the end of this month. He's this tall. Wearing size 12 shoes, it's ridiculous. And then uh, we have a little girl uh, named Juliana. She's 11 years old. She's fantastic. She's our little sweet princess, and uh, she's, they're just amazing. But as I talked to my wife about what I was going to be preaching tonight, she said, you know, what you need to tell the students is this. She said, one of the things that I was drawn to about you, besides my amazingly good looks, obviously, <laughs> uh, right? I don't know why you're laughing. That hurts my feelings. Uh, so, she says, one of the things that I was drawn to about you was your servant's heart. And my wife and I met in college, and I'll just tell you some of the things that, that she said, because I want to help some of you tonight, seriously. So one of the things that I would do when I would sit at the table, and this wasn't for show, this wasn't for anything, it's just part of, of, of who I am and, and what I wanted to do. So when I would get up to get a drink refill at the uh, at the cafeteria table or wherever you have your meals, uh, I would take someone else's glass up there and I would refill it. At the end of the meal, when we all have to unload our trays and take them up to the deal, it didn't take much effort and I gladly took some other people's trash to the, to the bin. Do you know what I'm talking about? Okay. When my wife was following behind me, there was never this. Please let me back in. Right? Do you see what happened? Like, if I would have done that to my wife, the door would have slammed in her face. So watch this. See how easy this is? After you, babe. Go ahead. You see what I'm talking about? Or if you can't do that, you can at least lead the way and then stand right here and hold the door open. Like, these are just keys to living right here. This is common sense, great stuff. This is good preaching that's going to help you get a wife or a husband, and God's going to bless you. There you go. 
So learn the art of serving. It'll help you be more successful in your job. It'll help you be a better follower of Jesus. And ultimately, it may lead to some of you being as blessed as I am and scoring an amazing wife, even though I didn't deserve it. So no joke, the one thing that's opened more doors for me in life and in my career was not my undergraduate degree. It wasn't my master's degree. It wasn't my resume. The thing that has opened more doors for me than anything else is this whole idea of serving. Let's look at Luke chapter 17 tonight. It's going to be on the screen if you don't have it. Here's what Jesus has to say about serving. Verse number 7 of 17, it says, Suppose one of you had, had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, Come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, Prepare my supper, get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? After that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you've done everything you were told to do, should say, we were unworthy servants. We have only done our duty. Let's pray tonight. God, thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. God, we ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would your word come alive to us in Jesus' name, amen. As we look at a definition of servant this evening, I want us to look at it as this, as a person who is devoted to or guided by something. A person who is devoted to or guided by something. In addition to that, another question we could ask is, are we willing to offer the gift of being inconvenienced for others? That's what servanthood is all about, that we would be willing to inconvenience ourselves for the sake of others. And so tonight I ask you, what motivates you? Is it fame? Is it success? Is it money? What's your motivation? Do you know when I took my kids to Disney World, how many of you have ever been to Disney World? Okay, when you went as a kid, did your parents stand in line with you to see the princes or the princesses or something? Some of you, maybe? No? Okay, I'll just move on and just talk about my family. Okay, there have been times, because y'all are like, I'm way too cool to have told you that I stood in line for a princess. Well, here's the deal. I've stood in line for a princess, and it's not for a picture for me. I promise you that. I'm married to a princess. I can get a picture any day. Aww. Yeah, that wasn't in the notes there. That was good. Uh, <laughs> there have been times when I've been at Disney World with my little girl, and I've stood in line for this picture of her with a fake princess for a long time, right? And I'm not in that line for me. I'm in that line for my little girl. And so I ask you tonight, what motivates you and what made you get in the line that you're in right now? What made you choose the degree that you chose? What made you choose the career path that you're choosing right now? Was it for the benefit of someone else? Maybe it was for the benefit of you, and, and, and honestly, that's not all bad. Maybe for some of you, you've chosen a career path because of the, the horrible circumstances that you grew up under, and you say, if I can just make a different path for me and for my kids, then, I, then they won't have to go down the same path that I went through. So it's not all bad that maybe some of you got in line for yourself to do something else. But here's, here's what I would say is that if your passion is to serve people, there won't be much that you're not passionate about. 
And if you chose your career path or you chose the major or the degree program that you're in right now for the sake of others, I'm telling you that your life will be filled with all kinds of things that you can be passionate about. Children are often asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? Oftentimes that response is to be a firefighter. Because there's this heroic motivation of, of being able to be the hero in the story or to be someone's hero. But here's an interesting fact is that 69% of the 1 million firefighters across the nation are volunteers. Only 31% of them are paid to, do, to protect our homes and our businesses and your college university campus. And so you ask, why in the world would they risk their lives? Why would they do it? Because they love their neighbors. What a great picture for us. If we love people and we got in line for other people, then we'll, we'll be passionate about serving and sacrificing for others. Can I tell you that serving is not just your compensated pastor's job? Right? It's not. It's all of our responsibilities as followers of Jesus. There are some of you who've been taught your entire lives to chase after your passions. How many have ever heard that? Okay, chase after your passions. Find your strengths, do that. I'm all for it. I have a master's degree in organizational leadership. I've led, read many of the leadership books that you've read. I'm all supportive of you chasing after your passions, and I'm grateful that on a daily basis I get to chase after my passions. And so there are things that we get to chase after that are intuitive, that we chase after those things that are passionate for us. But then there's also people who've been trained in a counterintuitive way to chase after things, not based off of passions, but instead to do things out of duty and obligation. I don't know that there are some of you who are shaking your heads and you're like, yeah, that's how I was taught. I was taught to do things out of duty and obligation. And can I tell you that, uh, that I believe a healthy kingdom model is not the exclusion of one. And that if we have a campus ministry or we have a church filled with people who are only willing to do things that they're passionate about, then everything won't get done. And if we have a church or a campus ministry filled with people who are only doing things out of duty and obligation, then there's not health there either. Instead, there's a group of people who will quickly become burned out because they hate what they're doing. And so the kingdom model says, God, I want to do whatever you ask of me to do. I love Judy Hammer. How many of you love Judy? Yeah, Judy is amazing. Judy Hammer has served this campus by cleaning toilets and showers in one of the girls' dorms because that's what God has placed upon her heart. And there are some of you in here just based off of human nature who would say there is no way in the world that I would do that. But this is a way that Judy has demonstrated her heart and she's serving, not doing it out of duty or obligation, but doing it because she's passionate about uh, serving the students here on this campus. And so I believe for the kingdom model, there has to be both and. People who are willing to do things that they're passionate about and people who are willing to step in and find a need and fill it. So what gets us going? What motivates us and what keeps us going in this whole idea of servanthood? I believe that the fuel for servanthood is love. The thing that causes us to continue to push forward, the fuel that drives that is love. Ultimately, a love for God, 
and a love for his people. And when we love God, then we want to say, God, I want to follow after the pattern that you've set before us, that as we look at the model that Jesus set before us, and if we want to be followers of Jesus, can I tell you that if you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus and you refuse to serve, I would say that maybe you've deceived yourself. Because there's no way that we can carry the name of Christian without reflecting the image of Christ and Christ modeled to us a servant's heart. So the fuel for servanthood is love, a love for God and a love for people. And listen, when we love God and when we love people, serving is a natural overflow of our heart. It just is. Like you're willing to go above and beyond when you love God and love others. So why do you serve? Here's why I believe we should serve is because Jesus is our example. What, we're looking at planting a church out of ours, and the church planter that's looking at doing that texted me one day, and he said, hey, what's Cross Point's vision statement? So you would think a, a, an organization would have a vision statement, right? That's just, it's good to do. Your Chi Alpha has a vision statement. And so I texted this pastor back, and, uh, and we, don't have, we didn't have one. So I texted him and I said, we do what we do because he did what he did. Ooh, sounds good to me. <laughs> so I waited a few minutes and then he realized I was joking and now we actually do have a vision statement. But really, that can sum up servanthood, right? Yeah. So we, we have one now. He, he pushed us forward. We have, you know, anyway, it's good. So, um, but that sums up servanthood, doesn't it? Like we do what we do because he did what he did. So Jesus Christ laid aside his majesty in order to serve humanity. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7. It says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. The story has been told of a non-commissioned officer who was directing the repairs of a military building during the American Revolution. He was barking out orders to the soldiers under his command, trying to get them to raise a heavy beam. And as the men struggled to lift the beam into place, a man who was passing by stopped to ask the one in charge why he wasn't helping the men. And with all the pomp of an emperor, the soldier responded, Sir, I'm a corporal. He says, you are, are you? He says, I was not aware of that. And then taking off his hat and bowing, he said, I ask your pardon, corporal. Then the stranger walked over and began to help the struggling soldiers lift the beam up into the air. After the job was finished, he turned and said, Mr. Corporal, when you have another such job and have not enough men, send for your commander in chief and I will come and help you a second time. The corporal was astonished. The person speaking to him was General Washington. Have you gotten to a place where you would rather bark orders or think that it's someone else's obligation or duty to serve? Are you willing to jump in and, and do the heavy lifting with others? Can I tell you that if you're too big to do little things, then you're probably too little to do big things. 
This, I didn't say it was going to be easy. I told you that the reason why he asked me to come up here and preach this message is because of the, the, the weight of it. Like, no one's going to shout me down tonight. Oh, yeah, let me serve more. Oh, yeah. What does that look for? We'll continue. Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Jesus taught on servanthood. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus not only taught on it, but he modeled it. Before his death, in John chapter 13, the story is recorded of where Jesus washed his disciples' nasty feet. They had walked around on the streets. Their feet were nasty. There would be animal poop on the streets. They would have walked through it. Obviously, uh, just part of the day, part of the attire, they wouldn't be wearing closed-toed shoes like we would have on. And so their feet would be nasty. And Jesus sat down, and he washed his disciples' feet. And in John 13, verse number 12, he says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. If we can master the art of serving, we can become greater followers of Jesus and imitators of him. Jesus ended his life by serving. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 says, In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. What's our motivation? What do we get in line for? When we love God and we love people, it's a natural overflow of our heart to want to give back when we recognize how much Jesus has done for us. And can I tell you that serving can be mutually beneficial. Some of you are going to go on a missions trip this fall or spring or whenever it is, spring. You're going to go on a missions trip. Can I tell you that that missions trip will probably be more beneficial for you than it will be for the people that you're serving? It's amazing how, how that happens and how serving can be mutually beneficial. I'll tell you that one time I got this call in, in our church from this lady who wanted us to come help her move. And um, there, uh, there are people who uh, collect things, all kinds of things, and their house is filled with those kinds of things. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There are TV shows about them. And we were asked to go help this hoarder move all of the stuff out of their house. Can I tell you that there wasn't a single person who intuitively said, I'm really passionate about helping hoarders move all of their stuff out of their house. Like, I don't care who you are. I didn't meet a single person that day who said, sign me up. But I met a number of people who said, you know what, whatever we got to do, let's go do it. And what was absolutely amazing is those men and women came together to do something that none of us wanted to do, how all of us were blessed as a result of it. Sometimes serving can be mutually beneficial, and sometimes we, we step in and do something not because we're going to get recognized for it, 
There was no public recognition that Sunday. I didn't stand up the next week and go, hey, let me tell you what we did last week. Right? There's no public recognition. For some of you, your public recognition is something that you can put on your resume. Okay? You weren't going to put that on your resume. But it's amazing what can happen to us when even I shared at the beginning how Pastor Daniel served in obscurity, doing things behind the scenes with excellence and how God promoted him. It's amazing as we have a heart, a servant's heart, what God can do as we do things that we're not even passionate about. Finally, what can you do? Here's what I would say. Find a need and fill it. If I could sum up my personal and professional life to date in one statement, it would be summed up in this, that I found a need and filled it. So from the time that I was a teenager, I would find a need in our church and I would fill it. Those things would lead to the next step for when I was in college and I would find needs there and fill it. I remember when I was in college serving in, uh, in a children's ministry and I had no idea that serving in a children's ministry would ultimately, as a volunteer, ultimately lead to the very first job position that I would have. But I found a need and filled it there. I moved to a church in Des Moines and started out as a children's pastor there. In fact, Taylor Quimby was a kid when I was a children's pastor in Des Moines. That's how old that I am. And as soon as I got there, the youth and worship pastor resigned. And so I didn't have the opportunity of finding a need and filling it. I was told that there was a need and I was going to fill it. And that I was going to be the youth and worship pastor. And I thought, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not cool. I don't dress cool. I don't have cool hair. I don't even have any hair. Like, you know, you got the wrong person. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. But I stepped into that role, and we left from there, and our family went to India as missionaries, and we found a need, and we filled it. Our time in India was tough. We didn't come back with the greatest circumstances, incredibly uh, difficult place for my wife. And, and here's what's crazy, is that this campus ministry was birthed out of a broken man who had just given up his career dreams. We talked about intuitive and counterintuitive earlier, and I will tell you that when we came back from India, I was not passionate about college students. I wasn't passionate about this university. But I found a need, and I filled it. And as I found that need and filled it, God began to stir within me a passion like no other. I believe for you that there are some of you that are going to step out and serving in Chi Alpha. You're going to find a need and you're going to feel it. And God's going to birth a new passion within you that you never knew that you had. And as a result of stepping out in faith and coming here and doing this, ultimately now we're pastoring a church. And it's been, uh, it's been amazing for us to see the journey that God has taken us on and the things that we've been able to accomplish simply by finding a need and filling it. One final point for you tonight is this, that giving from ourselves is better than getting for ourselves. Giving from ourselves is better than getting for ourselves. 
if we'll follow the example of Jesus, if we'll find a need and fill it and recognize the value that each of you have as a follower of Jesus, great things are going to happen. I believe tonight that as we started with that affirmation from Philippians chapter 1, verse 3 or 4, it's hard to tell with the Message Bible how it breaks down, but it's clear that God has that God loves you very much and that he has a plan for you and he has a special reason of why you're here. I believe that some of you underestimate the value that you bring to the table. And some of you underestimate the value of just showing up. If we'll worry more about giving from ourselves than getting for ourselves, I believe we'll accomplish a lot more for the kingdom of God. Jesus never one time said, what's in it for me? Now, I believe that if you'll show up on Thursday night and not ask the question, Tuesday night, and not ask the question, what's in it for me? But instead, what can I give of me to someone else? You're going to see even greater things take place on this campus. Pastor Drew Meyer is the state director of Chi Alpha, leads Iowa State University's incredible leader. When I would go to regional events, what would be said about him, what, would, what they would say about Drew and Tanya Meyer, is they would say, as students, we didn't even know that they were dating. Because Chi Alpha night for them wasn't their date night. Chi Alpha night for them wasn't let me sit with my boyfriend or girlfriend. It was who in the world can I give of myself to tonight and serve someone? That's what happened. As we look at giving of ourselves, rather than ask the question, should I spend more time playing video games this morning or spend more time on social media this afternoon, and then when it comes to small group time saying, oh no, I have too much homework, I can't go. Instead, instead we realize that we can give, that giving from ourselves is better than getting for ourselves, and so we show up with a whole new purpose and a new perspective when we go to church, when we come to Chi Alpha, when we go to small group. It's no longer about us, but instead it's what we can do for others. It'll change the frame of reference for us. There are a number of teams that you can serve on with Chi Alpha. There's a connection team. There is... Uh, a production team. And I'm telling you that what takes place here is nothing short than miraculous. We were just at Catalyst, uh, an incredible conference last week. And our youth pastor was sitting beside me, and this was the comment that he made. Andy Stanley walked out onto the stage, but before he did, someone else carried the stand out on the stage. And he looks at me and he says, how ridiculous is that? The pastor can't even carry his own stand out on the stage. I said, no, man, you got it all wrong. That guy's not going to stand up there and preach like Andy Stanley. He's not going to teach to 4,000 people at this conference. But he wants to be part of something great. And for him, being part of something great is carrying that stand out on the stage so that that phenomenal communicator can preach the word of God. And what your pastor does here on a Tuesday night is incredible. What the worship team does here on a Tuesday night is incredible. And maybe some of you don't have those teaching gifts or musical gifts, but you can carry the standout on the stage so that the word of God can be presented. Right? You can show up at 5 o'clock and unload that trailer like you're a boss. You know what I'm saying? You're like, worship team, get out of the way. Like, we're, you know, we got this. There's no one better. There's a setup and teardown team. 
Seriously, let's go back to that first question of what would be said if an organization or a company that you wanted to join valued servant leadership and those closest to you were asked to be a reference, where would you score on that? And so specifically with Chi Alpha, are you the last one to show up and the first to leave? Or are you the first to show up and the last to leave? That's where the rubber hits the road. That's where servant leadership is demonstrated. I want to challenge you tonight to master the art of serving. And there's something happens when we get this right. At the end of the race, God's going to look at us. Those of us who have run our race well, and he's going to look at us and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I seriously hope that our response will be what Jesus instructed in Luke chapter 17. We were unworthy servants, and we've only done our duty. The fact that God would even entrust us or allow us to be part of what God's doing here is unfathomable. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. The story of the band U2. In the height of racial tensions, they had written a song called In the Name of Love. And in that song, Bono talked about Martin Luther King Jr. When he went south for concerts, he received death threats. One of the concerts, the band begged him and said, Please don't sing that song. The threats were real. He was told that if he stood up on the stage and sang that song, that someone would put a bullet in his head. And Bono stood up on that stage believing so to his core the purpose that he stood for and the vision of why he was there. That that night he closed his eyes and he began to sing out in this song. And with his eyes closed, he knew that there was something taking place on the stage. At the end of the song, he looked up and he realized what had been happening, that during that song, there was a band member that would take a place standing in front of him to receive the bullet if he was shot. Can I tell you tonight, that's what Jesus has done for us. Jesus laid down his life for us. He was the ultimate example of servant leadership.
Maybe there are some of you who've come to Chi Alpha tonight and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never asked him to be your savior. You've never asked him to forgive you of your sins and you say, tonight I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want him to be my Lord and Savior. You say, as you've talked about him, you say, I, I want to be part of his family. I, I, I like that guy. I want to follow after him. Maybe there are others in this room that have allowed things to come into your life to separate you from him and you say, tonight I need to see my relationship restored back to my maker. In just a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say, that's me, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room. One, two, three. Lift them up all across this room. One, two, three, four, five, six. You can put them down. Are there others tonight? Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand all across this room? There were at least six hands that went up tonight of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna lead us in a prayer and if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray tonight. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. Tonight I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my king. Be my savior. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this night forward to live for you with all of my heart with all of my soul, with all of my mind, and with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done tonight. <laughs> Guys, I'm not perfect when it comes to this area of servanthood, but I've tried to embrace it my whole life, and I'll tell you that even now, in a lead role, I still want to be known as a servant leader. I never want to feel like I've gotten to a place where I've arrived, but instead I want to continue to get my hands dirty and follow after the example that Jesus set for us. And I'm telling you tonight in all seriousness, if you'll grab a hold of this idea of serving, it'll set you up for success in life. I promise you. It'll take you further and faster than you ever would have dreamed. So tonight, I want to pray for all of us that we would make a commitment to follow after the example of Jesus and be servants. God, we thank you so much for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for your word that you would invite us to be part of your kingdom. And so, God, we thank you for those six that raised their hands tonight to come into your kingdom for the very first time or to be restored to a right relationship with you. God, we pray that our lives would be marked with an attitude of service, 
And God, I pray in Chi Alpha that it would be filled with a group of students who would do things that are intuitive as well as counterintuitive. That it wouldn't be filled with students who would say, I'm not passionate about that, but instead they would find a need and they would fill it. God, I pray that in the weeks and the months to come, in two weeks, Lord, we thank you that Daniel's had the leadership and the audacity and the daring faith to believe you to do the miraculous on this camp campus. And God, he's seen that you were going to send the number of students that you've been sending. And so in preparation, they're moving to a different room. And God, we give you praise for that. And we pray that as they make that shift over there, that there would be students that would walk up to him and say, how can I be a part even more of not sitting on the sidelines, but actively engaging and serving and being a part of what God's doing here on this campus. So God, we pray that you would give them wisdom, that there would be some that would begin to carry the stand out, just simple things like that to be able to be a part who don't have the teaching gift or the music gift or the worship gift in order to serve God we pray that this group would be known as servant leaders that it wouldn't just be a value that's on a website but it would be a value that would be embraced by every single person and it wouldn't just be taught but that it would be accepted and lived out and so God we pray that you would help each of us to not just be hearers of your word but to be doers of your word. God, we thank you for the leadership team that's here at Chi Alpha at UNI and for the miraculous things that you've done. Specifically, we pray for Pastor Daniel and Emily tonight that you would continue to encourage them, that you would build them up and that you would surround them with servant leaders that would help them accomplish the dreams and the visions that you've placed in their lives for this campus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hi, Alpha. But I'm telling you guys, this is such a pivotal time for our group. You know, we've been filling this place up. You know, we've had like 95, 97 students on, on multiple nights. That's why we're moving to a new room. And at this point in the semester, people are getting tired. People are getting busy. But I'm believing that God is going to buck the trend that during these seasons, campus ministries kind of go down. And that God's going to do something supernatural and just build our group up. I'm believing that. So guys, yes. But here's the thing. It's up to you guys what happens. I believe that. Are you willing to count the cost over the next three to four weeks as we have all night prayer on Friday, then we transition to Lang in two weeks, and then we have our Holy Spirit night? Are you willing to count the cost and to continue coming every week, to continue to invite your friends? Are you willing to count that cost? That's one way to serve is just by showing up, being here, inviting your friends. I'm believing that God wants to do something incredible. You know, this is what I have written on my office whiteboard. It says, God, we need a Holy Spirit miracle as we move to Lang. Send fire. That's my prayer. And the sermon series we're doing is from the book of Acts. And, and there's this verse from Acts 1.8, and we're going to talk about it next week. So I'm just going to read it to you. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So my prayer over the next four weeks is that the Holy Spirit will come upon us because we need power. Because we can't do this on our own, guys. We can't. We're tired. We're busy. We're getting to that point of the semester. But I pray that the power of God would show up in this place and just pour out, or that God would pour out His Spirit on our hearts. So can we just pray that?
Just pray that God will pour out his spirit over the next few weeks as we ask him to do more on our campus. Let's pray that. Jesus, I pray for power. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would show up. Lord, the trends and statistics of campus ministry say that at, or at this point in the semester, the group should start to shrink. But God, I'm praying that you would send revival to this group and wake us up, Lord, and help us to stay focused even in the midst of midterms and homework. And God, I pray that, that this group would just begin to burst at the seams. God, I pray that there would be a massive group of students who come to all night prayer and, and come next week and the week after to service as we just ask you to do something supernatural. God, I pray that you would do something that, or that no man can do. God, no man can force students to come to campus ministry at this point in the semester. But God, I pray that you would send revival. God, I pray that you would wake up our hearts and that you would give us power. Pray the Holy Spirit would come upon us. So God, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for Pastor Jonathan and we bless him. And I just bless these students as they go out from here and get their homework done and study for their tests. So Jesus, we love you so much. In your name, amen. All right, let's give God a clap.